This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. Scott the Huff producing the show. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the fine people at Core Water. Hydratewithcore.com for more information. I'm telling you what, you can find Core Water anywhere. Water is sold. Perfectly balanced. pH level of 7.4. Matches your body's own chemistry so you're getting the proper hydration. I'm telling you what, I always have a bottle of Core Water with me wherever I go because it's delicious. Award-winning, crisp, clean taste. And I'm telling you what, do a great job. Hydratewithcore.com. Speaking of hydration, I had to hydrate a little bit last night. After yesterday's experience I had, uh, I went in for the colonoscopy, Mike, and it was tremendous. I'm already thinking about doing it again every other week because I am really good at it. You know, it's funny. When you told me you are getting a colonoscopy, first of all, I said, good job. Right. Uh, Guys our age who are either, you know, at that age, maybe a little bit beyond it, need to get it done, or starting to approach that age, uh, I I think it's really cool that you're so willing to come out and share this, you know, very private thing that you're willing to share, you know, in the idea of getting people out there to to make sure they take care of themselves, which I think is awesome. Right. Now, the flip side of that is that anybody who's ever gone through a colonoscopy always talks about the procedure to get ready for it and all the stuff you have to drink and all the pooping you got to do right. and you're living right. on the toilet for several hours at a time. And when I heard all about that, I heard you were getting one. My first thought was... If ever there was somebody made for a colonoscopy, it's Mark Schlereth. You know, I, I look at. I mean, my, you love right. spending time on the crapper. I don't spend much time on there. I spent. I. I. I mean, like it's. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not time spent there, but frequency going to. Right. Right. You so sp- I would say this about me, like I've had a pretty decent run as an adult, right? I mean, I've had a, a pretty decent run as a football player in the NFL, right? 12 years and got to start for 12 years and playing three championship games, you know, three playing, three Super Bowl, all that. So it was a pretty good run. I've had a pretty good run on the media, starting my 19th year with a 16 at Fox or 16 at ESPN, now three at Fox and, you know, an R radio show here in Denver, which has been pretty good. But if I was a professional at anything, pooping would be, like I am a great pooper, I'm excellent at it, um, and I am like frequent. Like frequency is is my thing. Like I'm in and out. Takes me, you know, literally no time at all. I'm in. A, it's an in and out process. I I had a blast. I was like, this is great. I just kept running back to the toilet, and I was just. I mean, it flushes you. It's. I was thinking the whole time I drink this like it's purple, like salt water tasting stuff, or grape salt water tasting stuff. Not purple, but grape. And um, and I'm thinking the whole time, like whoever invented this is awesome. Like this is this is great. I mean, you just it's like you sit on the toilet and turn on the faucet. That's like it's just pouring out of you. It's great. And see, what I know, tell you, folks. Yeah, this guy I, loves sitting on the toilet. I'm I'm I, 
but I will tell I will tell you this. Um, like you know, like everybody's like, oh, they're apprehensive about it, or it's embarrassing, or whatever. I, go do yourself a favor. Go. All of us have been touched by somebody who's had cancer. We've seen that go down. My my wife just wa- lost her cousin, who was very close to her, only sixty nine years old. Postponed it. Postponed it. Postponed it. Didn't go. You know, was in having difficulties and problems for like eight months. Finally went and got checked. And ended up having colon cancer and ended up passing away and, and probably could have been prevented had she had early detection, had she gone and taken care of, you know, uh, of and having a colonoscopy and getting examined. And so um, make sure you do it like I had put it off. I was supposed to do it at 50. I'm 53. And and it wasn't being afraid of it. It was oh, I'm on the road again. Or every time my doctor called, he finally called me last week. and He's like, get your ass. Mm. Into the into the Literally. facility, yes, and and get this thing done because before you go back on the road, uh, I got a text from him. This was the text I got from him. You're gonna love this, um, because like I said, you know, beautiful on the inside and out. Uh, my doctor wrote <laughs> me this. Saw the pictures of your very handsome colon. Thanks for getting this done. Brady has nothing on you, being Tom Brady, because uh, my colon is. Gordon. Just another reason <laughs> I wouldn't be able to coach for the New England Patriots because Tom Brady won. I would challenge him from a handsome off standpoint, so he'd have me fired for that. And then if he finds out my colon is beautiful, there's no question that I wouldn't be able to coach for the New England Patriots. So anyhow, if you haven't done it, and if you're if you're of that age and it's it, there's an embarrassment factor or whatever, get over it. Go get it done. Go get checked out. Um, and you know what? It's it's a fun adventure. The bottom line is just treat it like an adventure, and you know it's all going to be good. You, you got a story out of it. Props to you. Props yeah. to you for being so uh, open to talk about it. And if it causes and and gets some people listening to say, yeah, you know, you're right. I'm I'm overdue. Let's go get it done. Good. So, um, good for you. Well, let's get to some uh, some stuff to talk about. I, I found it interesting. There was a uh, NFL.com has done a great job providing fodder material for guys like you and I to be able to talk NFL all off season. And they've come up with some really good lists throughout the course of the summer. Well, mm-hmm. they came out with their top five sleeper teams. And I, I wonder what you think of the teams on this list. They have Atlanta, Green Bay, and Minnesota from the NFC as sleeper teams and Pittsburgh and Jacksonville as sleeper teams. Does that Match your idea, your definition, your eye test of what a sleeper is. Yeah, speaking of colons, that that list is shit. Um, <laughs> like seriously, how do you put Aaron Rodgers on any sleeper team? Like how? Like any? Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the top in anybody's book. If you say, "Hey, give me the top three quarterbacks in football," what are you going to say? You're going to say. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know Drew Brees. Drew Brees, right? Like, I mean, how you put one of the best quarterbacks in all of football on a sleeper team list—that's beyond me. Same thing, you know. For me, the Atlanta Falcons. If you look at the Atlanta Falcons last year, they missed the playoffs. But you look at them offens- offensively, the talent that they have, and then you start to look at them like what happened last season. Well. You know, I tell you this all the time. One of the best skill positions in football is offensive line. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of skill to move a man from point A to point B against his will. They had like four different starters get injured last year and and miss the season. 
Their offensive line was an absolute abject disaster. They had their starting running back get injured early in Freeman and be out for the season. Coleman had injuries last year and missed time. I mean, they were down to their third and fourth string, you know, running backs. Their offensive line, like I said, at least three guys were out the majority of the season. I mean, they had some serious issues there. So to to put the Atlanta Falcons with the Matt Ryan on a sleeper, like sleeper teams to me, one, are teams that – didn't Pittsburgh make the playoffs last year? No. Oh, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Did they? They didn't. No. Baltimore won the division. That's right. Well, scratch that thought. But I would say— Because these are all teams that missed the playoffs a year ago. So wouldn't a team that missed the playoffs automatically be put into— I, I get see, what you're saying. I mean, sleeper is like, wow, didn't see that coming. Well, I yeah, I can't. Again, uh, then I'll go. Then I'll defer because they didn't make the playoffs. You're 100 percent right. They were fighting toward the end. They lost a game in Denver. Remember that that they lost like 24 17 in a game. Um, that they just didn't perform very well. Roethlisberger threw a pick to a defensive lineman uh, in the end zone. You know, I mean, there was a couple of different things that went on. They had a score going across the. They were just about to cross. On a tight end that that ran a crossing route and safety, the safety hit him and he fumbled right before he went in the end zone, went to that back of the end zone, so it was a, tr- a, a touchback. Like they had a couple of opportunities to win that game where they basically pissed it away. But it, like Roethlisberger at the quarterback position, without as much dysfunction. Now some of it his fault, there's no question. But the Antonio Brown, the Le'Veon Bell, I I just don't look at Pittsburgh as a sleeper team. I think they're going to be, I, I think they're going to be. A, you know, I, I think they're going to solve some of the issues that they've had. It's just hard for me to put anybody in the sleeper category that has the legit proven, you know, like, hey, two of those quarterbacks, two of those quarterbacks have won Super Bowls in Aaron Rodgers and, and Ben Roethlisberger. One of those quarterbacks has been to the Super Bowl, had a 28-3 lead in it in in Matt Ryan. Like, it's hard for me to say, hey, that's a sleeper team. Well, yeah, but you look at – you look at what even with those quarterbacks, what they have to go through. Uh, Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers, but they got to go through the Bears. Okay, mm-hmm. um, Atlanta has Matt Ryan, but they got to go through the Saints. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh has Ben Roethlisberger, but they got to go through the Mighty Browns. Oh yeah, seven, eight, and one. The Mighty Browns. What? I mean, they're like, look, has there ever been a the more- only reason Pittsburgh is put in that sleeper category is because of this runaway belief. Hysteria that is surrounding the Browns right now. Come on, you can't. I'm not saying it's 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 right, but you got to admit it's it's real right now. The hype oh, is real. The the Browns yeah, hype. The hype. Listen, this is a football team that has had several generations of just bad decisions. Then they went out and got themselves a real football guy in John Dorsey as their general manager, and. Like you look at their roster, and when I called one of their games last year, you you look at their roster, and you're like, this is a pretty damn good roster. Like their back end, their secondary, they've got legit corners, some legit safeties, they've got some athletic linebackers. Their defensive line is outstanding. Um, people you don't even know, like guys like Larry Ogunjobi, and you know, got guys that they went and got Olivier Vernon right from the Giants, and. Now, obviously, Miles Garrett is is phenomenal. I mean, they they are they are loaded. You look at the offensive side of the ball; their offensive line is they're bruisers. They they beat people up. 
got a couple of a stable of running backs that looks great. They've got a young quarterback who's dynamic. They've got wide receivers and tight ends that can make plays. I mean, there's no question. There's a reason for the hype. Now, does all of it come together? One of the things I've always thought, Mike, is it's much easier to deal with disappointment and to respond to disappointment than it is to respond to hype. Because guys start believing in the press clippings and guys tend to, human natures tend to, to not do the work. Like, it's easier to respond to adversity. But when I start thinking of sleeper teams, man, I, I, I think of teams like, show me teams like, they, you know who's a sleeper team to me? San Francisco 49ers. Okay. Like, yeah, your your defense was was an issue last year. You couldn't develop. You never had a pass rusher. You went out and solved that through free agency and through the draft. Like your you get your quarterback back and Jimmy Garoppolo, who is never like he's always had great potential, but he's never really put a full. You know, he's he never put more than five or six games together. So like he's coming back. Your whole receiving core was was broken last year. Your running backs were like like that to me feels like a sleeper team. Like feels like a division where Arizona is come on, that could be a train wreck. Um the Rams are are really a good team, but they feel like in Seattle is a team that probably has with Russell Wilson the contract they've given him and, and some of the defensive, you know, components leaving and Richard Sherman and some of the other guys and Earl Thomas now gone. That feels like a team that you can sneak up on a little bit. And I think you're talking about – so sleeper teams for you are those teams that were kind of in that five to six win world last year that you think can make a jump. Let's say right. maybe a, a, a Buffalo. Right. Some a, a Jets. That, yeah, a team that might make a jump and, Denver? and compete. Yeah. Like you look at Denver – Look at and you know maybe this is a pipe dream, but I think Denver's an eight and eight, nine and seven type of talent team, right? But over the last couple of years, they've been garbage. But but here's the deal: you've got a defense, you've got Vic Fangio, who has you know been a defensive kind of stalwart as coach, right? Over his is his years as a, a defensive coordinator. So and you've got some players in Chubb, and you've got some players in in Miller and um, Chris Harris Jr. And so you've got some outstanding players. You've got a chance to be pretty good. Now you've gone out and solved your quarterback conundrum with a veteran quarterback in Joe Flacco. Maybe not the greatest, but a guy that if you put enough pieces around him can, can you know can play. Um, the, like that to me is the definition of potential sleeper. Like isn't isn't the formula to at least get back into competitive into competitive football and 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 fighting for a wild card team? Isn't it? Hey, can we play great defense? Can we tackle well? Can we hold opponents down from a scoring standpoint? And can we put some some players around our quarterback to where we can be competitive? Like that would be a team that would interest me when we talk about, you know, when we talk about it's kind of like Jacksonville. I don't mind Jacksonville because we know that Jacksonville has got some outstanding all three levels of their defense. have got outstanding players, all three levels. Um, you know, they got D line that can rush the rush the passer and stop the run. They got some linebackers that can flat run. They've got, you know, like Jalen Ramsey and some of the other guys they have in their secondary, really good players. And they've been a quarterback away from making good plays. Now, is Nick Foles the guy that he's been, you know, bailing the the Philadelphia Eagles out in crunch time the last couple of years? Or is Nick Foles the guy that basically was gonna retire before Andy Reid said, Give me a let me give you a, a year of football rehab here in Kansas City? He was just going to walk away from the game after, you know, after getting, you know, dumped by Philadelphia and then getting beaten up in the Rams system with Jeff Fisher. And then, you know, he's going to retire, Mike. He was done. 
And, you know, he's America's sweetheart. But, you know, Nick Foles, like, which one is he? But I, I the Jacksonville makes sense to me. Like, I, I'm okay with that pick. Like, that, that's, a, that's a good pick. You know, speaking of the Packers, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of funny because, uh, honestly, I, I didn't even know this guy existed. I, I don't make it a point to, to know the ins and outs of the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that I do not think will be a sleeper team. Right. Uh, but somebody named Carl Lawson mm-hmm. came out and <laughs> kind of took on Aaron Rodgers, said that Aaron Rodgers is easy to sack. Right. He had 49 sacks last season, did Aaron Rodgers, not mm-hmm. Carl Lawson. Although no. Lawson did That have, would be a record of Carl he, Lawson. He, he did have two sacks. and a half sacks of Rodgers uh, back in week three of 2017, uh, which was part of an overall six-sack day for the Bengals. So, you know, what What about the idea of, you know, is this, is this something that we need to hold against Aaron Rodgers? The idea that, hey, man, in a league in which everybody's getting rid of the ball in 2.1 seconds— what are you doing holding on the ball and patting the ball and putting yourself out there not only to be sacked, mm-hmm. to stop drives, but to put yourself in at a risk of being hurt? Yeah, and I think that's – I mean, I think there's a couple of different things that are going on there. You know, we've had this conversation where Aaron Rodgers said, I, I, like, I want to control things from the line of scrimmage and stuff. When you have that supreme athleticism and you're holding out for the big plays and you're doing those things, what ends up happening to you oftentimes you hold the ball too long, right? You know, I mean, it's not a baby. You pat that thing one more time, it'll burp. It's not a baby. You know, get it out of your hands. Um, and, and, you know, the guys the guys that orchestrate from within the pocket, the guys that can't run, the Brady's of the world, the, the Peyton Manning's of the world back in his day, you know, they, they could subtly shift, shuffle around in the pocket, but they're, they're not getting out of it. They're not extending plays. They want to push the ball, right? They want to get it down the field. They want to push the ball out. They want to get it into a playmaker's hands in stride and let that guy, you know, do the dirty work. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of value um, in that, and sometimes, and I've said this before, you know, when you've been gifted athletically, oftentimes your default mechanism when things break down is to rely on athleticism. And Aaron can certainly do that. I just, um, you know, I think there's there's value in getting the ball down the field like, uh, like uh, what, what was the old saying, matriculate the ball down the field, right? Well, who's that, Hank Stram? You know, there's value in that, and that's today's NFL spreading it out and getting it to the edges, and like there's there's a lot of value in that. I I would you know I mean as a former offensive lineman, I love it when the quarterback gets the ball out of his hands quickly. It's less time I have to protect. You know, a very smart guy once said, I don't know who it was, that he subscribes to the seventy thirty. Right, right. So the idea being that seventy percent, super intelligent, seventy percent of the time. You're, you're, you want your quarterback just to be running the offense. Right, on and, schedule. And on schedule. 30% of the time is when things are off schedule and you fall under that category of making something out of nothing. And you'd rather have an offense, you'd rather have a quarterback that operates under that 70-30 ratio. And and I think of guys like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady who they're more like in that 80-20 world, 90-10 right. world, where they look at a play that clearly isn't working and – Brady just get, will just disgustedly just throw it in the ground. Manny will do that. Manny took the self sacks where mm-hmm. you just see that up. Oh, this isn't working. He'll fall down like he got taken out by a sniper. And to me, I'd much rather have my quarterback do that because the likelihood under this seventy thirty model that somebody very smart talked about one time is the idea that okay, you got me on that play. 
But now I have a 70% chance on that next play of walking up to the line of scrimmage, immediately identifying what you're trying to do, see the weaknesses in that defense, and be able to right. do something and really make you pay. And I'd much rather give up a self-sack or throw the ball in the ground than have my quarterback back there taking unnecessary hits or risks. Here's the other thing. Think about this. Second down and six. Like, they got you. Defensively, you know, you had a play call. They tricked you. They got you. They've got it covered. You you throw it into the ground, right, and you go to on to third down and six to convert, right? Let's see if they can do it again. Do you know how much easier it is to convert third down and six than third down and 16? Like, like you get third down and 16, everybody plays two chains, right? Like, hey, just slough off. Let's let's play straight zone with two, two deep. And let's just protect the chains, yeah. right? Let's just protect, like, let's make sure we rally up, say, here we go, we're sloughing off, and here's your play. Dump it. We're rushing four, dump it underneath, we're going to rally up and make a tackle and make you punt. Like, that's what that's what teams do. You can't play that on a third down and six. You can on a third down and 16. And in today's NFL, that's so, it, it, it's so dependent on the quarterback being upright in today's NFL, you really want Aaron Rodgers to be sacked 49 times? Like, sometimes it's for your own good. Hey, Aaron, this is what we're going to do. We're going to throw some bubble screens. We're going we're gonna to get the ball out of your hand. We're going to do a couple of these things. It's probably one of the reasons the Green Bay Packers moved on from the coach they had, you know? I mean, that's that's probably they look at that. Now, some of that is some of that holding on to the, the football is his guys aren't getting open. They're not they're not beating man-on-man coverage right off the bat. They're not they're not getting those things done, um, and some of it's this this NFL propensity to to devalue the running game, devalue the physicality of the running game, and 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 that's part of the deal as well, you know, because guys want to compile stats and and everybody wants to you know ring up fantasy numbers, and um, I'm telling you what, that stuff looks great, you know, that stuff is great probably September through November, come December and come nasty weather and come kind of crunch time playoff time you better control the line of scrimmage you better be able to do those things so you know I'm a I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan but I do I do think he needs to to understand that part of the game I kind of get the sense Rodgers is going to be a man on a mission this year because think about what this offseason's been about you've had increasing talk of well you know Rodgers uh, you know, only one Super Bowl, you know, the mm. dynasty that never was, right. you know, the Green Bay Packers. And uh, and then you got the the reports out there that already Rodgers is at a disagreement with Matt LaFleur about being able to call plays. And Rodgers come out and said, hey, I've got, you know, decades worth of knowledge that I should be able to use. Now you got, you know, nobody's like Carl Lawson coming out and saying he's easy to sack. You know, you know for, for a guy who's really lived a charm life as an NFL quarterback – Suddenly, there's there's more scrutiny mm-hmm. of Aaron Rodgers than than I can ever remember, and a sense almost like this guy has something to go out and prove, which makes him very dangerous. Yeah, and yeah, well, and, and, and potentially really fun to watch. There, there's no question about this. You know, one of the things that like the the naysayers or the the new school, you know, kind of football fans will say about Aaron complaining about. You know, having, you know, having kind of more of a running more of a check with me offense as opposed to just running things at the line of scrimmage. 
um, you know, having essentially two plays called. So most of the time in that offense with Matt LaFleur or whether it's Kyle Shanahan or now, you know, uh, Rich Scangarello or, or whoever the case may be, um, what a lot of teams will do is they'll, like, call two plays. If we get this look, we run the play called. If we don't get the look we're looking for, you know, and we send a motion across and, and we get a different look, then we're going to check to this play. Here's the beauty of running an offense like that, Mike, is it's not just the quarterback deciding what he wants to run and throwing a hand signal to the receivers and then, you know, and then and then making the call verbally so everybody's on the same page. You break the huddle and all 11 players on offense are looking for the same keys. Now, I don't care what you say about offensive linemen, but let me tell you something. 100% of us cheat our stance based upon what we're running, what the play is. And frankly, I don't give a shit if you know that we're running the ball because I just feel so confident my skills are better than yours and that if I execute my technique correctly, I'm going to whip your ass. Like, I'm a believer in the work that I put in. And so the problem that you get into when you give the quarterback complete freedom to run at the line of scrimmage is guess what as an offensive lineman? You're already at a disadvantage because the guys you're playing across from you are way better athletes than you are, right? So you're already at a disadvantage. I would rather break the huddle and look at the same keys the quarterback's looking at and saying, I know what we're running before he even makes a call, before we even get into the audible. So now I can get into something that's comfortable for me and be ready to execute, be ready to spring out of my stance. Like there's like the, all the quarterbacks want that freedom. Why? Because it's good for them. But is it good for us? And the answer is no, it's not. And listen, I've had I've had lengthy conversations with Jeff Saturday, who was Peyton Manning's center forever, and and those two would be at each other's throats during games, because Jeff would be like, "Man, I want to call it and run it. Let me be physical. Let me get let, let me get out of my stance. Let can we you know?" And Peyton wants to let the clock drop, you know, trickle down to eight seconds before he makes a call, like. Like You have to understand, again, and I say this all the time in this fantasy football world that we live in, you have to understand the, the complementary nature of what's good for all of us, what's best for us as a unit, not just what's best for me or where I can compile the most numbers, but what's best for everybody so that we can have success. Because ultimately, to me, it's not about putting up a bunch of numbers. You know what it's about? Rings. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. And what's the best? That's that's the beauty. Like I got in this Twitter argument with with a bunch of oh, those are easy to win. Yeah, a bunch of patriot or a bunch of patriot haters because um, Bernard Pauler said that on Twitter that Brady was nothing but a system quarterback, like anybody. Like, and I'm I'm like for Bernard, who was a good player in the league for a long time. I'm like, dude. Okay, the system is, how do you want us to win this week? You want us to win by rushing for 200 yards? You want us to win by throwing for 500 yards? Do you want us to, like, their system is, let's exploit the weaknesses of that particular defense, some things they don't do well, so let's change our system from week to week. That's your system. Like, the fact that that guy is okay with handing it off 35 times or throwing it 55 times. He's the only quarterback in league history, I think, that has a a uh, a positive uh, over five hundred winning percentage when he throws it for fifty plus attempts. Like, 
like to call him like to to use it as a derogatory term, system quarterback. And then and then you know I'm I'm in this argument with people and people are like he's nothing more. You know I'm like you like you don't know you don't know jack shit about this game if you just think that Brady you know is is just a a pure and and total like a a pure and total kind of um well uh, you know it's it's the idea that look it, it's Bra- all like, Belichick yeah that Belichick, and that Belichick made, him. made Brady right and i go you 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 just don't know shit about the game if you think that like Brady probably Belichick said this is our culture but you know what Belichick couldn't have kept that culture for 18 years without Brady accepting hard coaching and like 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 Aaron Rodgers coming right out. I mean, the, the his new head coach who's in his 30s isn't there for what four weeks, and Rodgers is already complaining about. Oh, I don't like this offense. So the guy that's in charge of executing it on the football field is already basically circumventing the authority and emasculating his new coach because he doesn't get his way at the line of scrimmage. How's that going to work? Like, seriously. Like, Brady has done more for that culture because I've got guys inside that locker room who have told me, man, the way Bra- the way Belichick talks to Brady in those meetings, like, Brady wouldn't have to put up with it. Hell, Robert Kraft is his dad. Like, he didn't have to put up with it. I could get a quarterback from Foxborough High to do the shit you do. You suck. Like, I mean, just going after Brady. Like, like he allows him to coach him that way. He doesn't, There's a lot of guys that wouldn't allow it. You think Ben Roethlisberger allows, allows Tomlin to coach him that way? You think? Like, seriously. So, I'm just telling you, like, they have helped make each other. There's no question. But to, to, to speak about Tom Brady... Like, in the same sentence, you'll say Tom Brady's nothing more than a system quarterback. Joe Montana's the best quarterback. Whoa, 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 whoa. Joe Montana executed Bill Walsh's West Coast offense. And, oh, by the way, the guy who supplanted Joe Montana in Steve Young was a, a guy until he got to San Francisco and got into that offense. They're both Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They're both tremendous. They did a great job executing that system, and they made plays outside that system when they had to. But for crying out loud, to act like it's a derogatory term, it just irritates the crap out well, of me. And it's it's something that I've always believed, in, and this is coaching matters, players matter more. It's always about the players. Yeah. Always about the players. And it's why I hope against hope that Bill Belichick coaches for five years at least after Brady hangs him up. Because I'd be fascinated to see what Belichick, what his record, what the the what the record is, how it looks, the eye test, everything, if he's forced to coach somebody else other than Brady. Mm-hmm. And it's not a clear-cut stud quarterback. I, I, because what what I believe firmly is that he'll become – uh, you know, nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine type coach. If he's forced to deal with right. and coach what most coaches have to deal with the quarterback position. I look, whenever it comes down to the great coach quarterback duos out there, I'll always take the quarterback. That's yeah. the biggest reason why. Uh, you know what the, you know the other one I get? Well, they he won eleven games with Matt Castle. They were eighteen and oh at one point <laughs> right, the year before. Right. right. That's there what people were sixteen oh yeah, the one, season before. That without, one bugs with, me. Yeah. You know, well, they went eleven and five with Matt Castle. They were sixteen and oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I, there was there was right away a five game difference between Matt Castle and Tom Brady. And when you're talking about the difference between 16 and 11, five wins, that's a hell of a lot more of a difference than let's say 10 wins and five wins. Right. I mean, a heck of a lot more. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just telling you, like it just irritates me. Give the guy credit. The guy is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's got nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl wins. It it is what it is. Like. But you know that's that's the world we live in now. I'm sorry to get you fired up. That's I, okay. I, I, I don't want right. I don't want to put any stress on your colon. My colon <laughs> my colon is stress free. It is stress free. It's loose. It's relaxed. I'm telling you what. I mean, thing is amazing. It really is. <laughs> you do a case study on my again, colon again. I have to give you credit because most anybody you run into would be like, yeah, yeah, I got a colonoscopy yesterday. They'd be so sheepish about it. You what? are like just so. Damn proud of it. You're you're proud of. I mean, you are. I've never seen anybody more proud of his colon than you. I'm are. really I like. Like I said, I am like an ex. All the things that all the accomplishments. Like there is nobody, there is nobody that's ever like run through that test like I ran. Yeah. Like it was easy. I mean, you're a three time Super Bowl champion. I think you're right now more proud of how you ace the colonoscopy test. <laughs> there's no. There's no. Like like. My I wife's mean, like, you're gonna be up all night, run on the bathroom. I took the liquid. I sat. I mean, it was in the toilet every 15 minutes for like two hours. I was done. I was like, slept through the night. Felt great. Got up the next morning. Had a cup of coffee. Took the next, you know, the next poop juice. Like, just take some of poop juice. And the next thing I knew, poop juice. That's what they. That's what they should brand that as poop juice. Poop juice. So I I swung uh, I swigged down the next uh, the next uh, bottle of poop juice and. Uh, I was back on the toilet two hours, and then my wife's like, "There's no way you're going to be able to walk the dog." I go, "What are you kidding me? I, I evacuated that a long time ago. I'm good." We walked the dog. I fertilized the lawn. Oh, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> never mind. Not with, not <laughs> <Sorry>. like <laughs> like Sorry. I was a sprinkler head. Like <laughs> like no, not like that. I actually used a bag of fertilizer, Mike. I didn't fertilize it with my butt. Um. But yeah, so go out. Uh, the, the moral of this story is go out and get yourself checked. Exactly. All right. All right. Good for stuff. everybody involved in the Sink Truth podcast, for our presenting sponsor, Core Water, hydrate with I'm Mark. That's Mike. That's Scott. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week.